May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always and everywhere acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, in our sermon series, Questions People Ask About the Resurrection, the subject of my sermon this morning addresses the question, does the resurrection have anything to do with daily life and ethics? To hear people at the theological extremes answer that question, the answer would appear to be no. Some Christians treat the resurrection as a reward, pie in the sky by and by. If it has anything to do with present tense behavior, it's just the carrot, as in carrot and stick. Incentives for walking the straight and narrow. The stick, of course, is hell. The carrot that you get is resurrection, life forever on the other side of this veil of tears. But since Christians who think about the resurrection in that way don't make any other connection between the resurrection and the lives that we live, they are forced to work out the connection in other terms. So historically, the Christians who have lived their lives in this theological neighborhood have been keen to develop pretty detailed rules for navigating the fragile space between heaven and hell. Some of you have attended churches and maybe even colleges shaped by that spirituality. There are rules against dancing because, well, we all know where dancing will lead. Dress codes that govern attire because, well, we know how visual men can be. And then there are rules against card games because we all know where card games lead, except, of course, for Uno. It's hard under those circumstances to say that resurrection has anything to do with daily life and ethics apart from a series of rules that govern what we do and mostly what we don't do. Those on the other end of the theological spectrum don't believe that the resurrection has much to do with daily life either. Not without some reason, they argue that thinking about the resurrection as little more than a carrot is, well, treating the resurrection if it's just a reward. But of course, the theological debates being what they are, the Christians who live in this other neighborhood want to make sure that they don't sound like the folks who think it's a carrot. So they argue instead that the resurrection is a metaphor for newness. There is no hereafter, no eternal life, no life to come. What the church has to offer is powerful poetry that unleashes the compelling example of Jesus. Think caterpillars turned into butterflies. For those who argue that the resurrection is all about a metaphor for newness, the problem is nailing down what the newness is all about. More often than not, it doesn't have much to do with the resurrection as such. More often, it's mostly about politics. So here again, the connection between the resurrection and daily life is frankly pretty tenuous. The resurrection becomes a model for a different way of organizing ourselves socially. By contrast, the resurrection in the New Testament is something completely different than either one of these pictures. 
and it's one that I'd like to think with you a little bit about this morning. Before I do, though, I want to remind you of two things we have already said in this sermon series. One, the resurrection is not so much about being raised to live forever, though we do, it's about being raised to live in Christ. Eternal life is a present tense experience as well as a future tense possession. So yes, the resurrected life is about life forever in large part because in Christ and in God there is no time, but thinking about the resurrection as being just raised to live forever misunderstands the Christian view of resurrection. Two, I'm going to argue that the resurrection is central to the choices that we make about daily life and ethics. But remember, as we've said before, the Christian faith is not an ethic as such. It is about a journey into God out of which a particular way of living grows. So far, so good, I hope. But where to begin? Where does that journey for the Christian begin? And the answer that the New Testament provides is it begins in our baptism. When we are baptized, we die to life on our own terms, which are by definition governed by the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God. And we, in our baptism, rise to life on God's terms. The baptismal rite sets out that contrast in sharp relief, raising six questions to which the only answer can be, I do. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you away from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to follow him and obey him as Lord? These questions are not pretty pieces of poetry. These are honest to God promises and vows. The first set affirms that we will renounce the things that serve any purpose in our lives and in the world that do not conform to the will of God. And the second set promises and affirms that we will turn away from the things that we have renounced, trusting God completely. In other words, your baptism marks the beginning of your resurrection and your life is meant to be different. You aren't joining a club, you aren't buying spiritual fire insurance. You aren't subscribing to a political position. You are baptized into a new way of living that is governed by a deepening understanding of the character of God. It is only in that experience that you can know truth, love, justice, mercy, forgiveness, grace, beauty, righteousness, and freedom because they are all known in their fullness only in God. 
In that regard, the baptismal rite is everything that we resist outside of life in Christ. It is dogmatic, it is binary, it insists on obedience. It assumes that I'm not okay and you aren't either. It also assumes that we are in need of redemption that goes far beyond fine-tuning of our opinions or a bit of good therapy. And it makes the case that the only way those needs can be addressed is in a journey into God in Christ. By itself, that set of assumptions would make for a profound difference in daily behavior. But the church isn't finished with outlining the changes in our lives that are part and parcel of baptism into the death and resurrection of Jesus. The baptismal covenant itself involves affirming the beliefs of the church. It insists on continued study of the apostles' teaching, on participation in the Eucharist and the church's prayers. It reminds those who are baptized that Christians are obligated to resist evil and to repent of their sins. And as if that were not enough, they are obliged to preach the gospel by word and example, to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbors, striving for justice and peace, and respecting the dignity of all human beings. All of this becomes our life when we are baptized, because in that moment, we begin, we begin participating in the resurrection life. In other words, God isn't trying to make our lives longer. God is revolutionizing our lives. By now, it ought to be clear that the resurrection has everything to do with daily life and ethics, even though it isn't an ethic as such. But how do we go about living that new life? Let me commend a spiritual practice to you that is almost 500 years old called the examine. At the end of each day, take a short time to review your day. What were the moments when you were aware of God's presence? When were you less aware of God's presence, less confident that your behavior was marked by a love of God and a love of others? As you reflect on the differences in those moments, ask God to help you to identify the ways in which you can live each day in more living response, loving response to God's promptings. I can't predict what will happen as a result. You may abandon habits or addictions that isolate and alienate you from God and those you love. You may dedicate yourself to prayerful listening out of which may grow new and life-giving habits and priorities. The possibilities are endless, but I can promise you this. As you reflect on your life in this fashion, you will experience the power of the resurrection and your life will change. Amen.